Well, good afternoon, Facebook friends and Facebook family. Bill Allen coming to you for one last lesson from the Gospel of Mark. It's been a sunny day, a pretty day here in Tyler, Texas, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you a little bit uh, in the last of this series on Mark, the Action Gospel. Mark, as you know, the shortest of the four Gospels, possibly the first, that seems logical to me. And as Mark goes through his 16 chapters, he doesn't waste a lot of time. He gets right to it and he shares uh, the stories and he shares the teaching and he shares about the life of Jesus and what it means for all of us. So I've enjoyed this study. I'll say a little bit more at the end about what's coming up, but we will start a couple of more Facebook studies on Sunday afternoons uh, coming up in June and on Tuesday and Thursday also beginning the first week, full week of June. So I'm looking forward to being able to, to do that. But today we get to finish out this great story from this great gospel of Mark. Uh, I've entitled it, as I said, um, the action gospel. And Mark doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't put in a lot of fluff. Uh, his stories are uh, sometimes almost abrupt, uh, but he is always sharing about uh, this Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, Mark possibly receiving a lot of his uh, uh, information from uh, that goes into his gospel from the Apostle Peter. Peter calls Mark his son in the gospel, just like Jesus refers to, I mean, uh, Paul refers to Timothy. And uh, we know, of course, that Mark had some interaction with Paul uh, when he went on that first mission journey, but it didn't turn out so well. And then, uh, and then later on, Paul would say that he is valuable to him in the gospel. So it's a great study. I've really enjoyed it. I hope it's helped you and reminded you of what a blessing it is to have uh, the gospels of, of Jesus Christ to tell us about those stories and to remind us that we too, just as Jesus was a man of action, we too are to be people of action, acting uh, for the sake of others acting for the sake of the gospel. So hello, Pat, nice to see you, Larry and Lynn Murphy, fresh off a 50th anniversary celebration. Wonderful to see you, congrats again, uh, and uh, glad to have you joining us and others who will be joining us as well. Welcome, welcome. Uh, so let's get into it. What I'd like to do today is just go down and share from uh, three or four chapters some of the great stories that Mark records. And I want us today to look at Jesus as a man of uh, authority, Jesus as a man of uh, compassion, and Jesus, of course, as a man of sacrifice who gave his life uh, for our sakes. And, uh, and then remind us at the end of how he calls on us uh, to do the same. Uh, to be people of action. So welcome, my dear friends, my brother and sister Eric and Cindy Mosley. It's wonderful uh, to see your names up there. Miss you terribly and glad that you're con staying connected and continuing uh, to bless uh, and encourage uh, me and so many others. So let's look at Jesus as a man of action. First of all, he was a man of action uh, that we see in his authority. We see it in his teaching. We see it in the stories he tells, all the parables, but also in some of the things that that hit us unexpectedly. And I think that's what happens in Mark chapter 2. 
because Jesus throws everybody a curve, something that they weren't expecting, which he seems to be pretty good at. Uh, he does that almost all the time in the parables. We know that the parables are exactly that. They, they surprise us. They come at us with a different uh, twist, a different ending than what we might expect, with a different hero than what we might expect, but always uh, with a story that calls us to be people of action. And Jesus shares his authority for that teaching in Mark chapter 2. Verse 1, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Remember, he home-based in the northern uh, district region of Galilee, and certainly at Capernaum. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man on the lowered the mat the man was lying on. Uh, a lot easier to do in the first century with the way they built their roofs than it is today. Uh, but it's just amazing the love that these men had uh, for this man who was paralyzed and they were not to be denied. And they found a way to get Jesus to to get Jesus to see. Uh, this man. It's uh, interesting uh, to me when I when I've shared this uh, a sermon on this very passage before. I have entitled it. Sometimes you have to go through the roof, and that's what they do here. And then verse five strikes us as wait what? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, "Son, your sins are forgiven." Now we expect Jesus to say, "Hey." get up and walk, which he will do. Um, but his authority goes even deeper than that. And this is what the Jewish leaders are not expecting at all. Verse six of Mark two. Now some teachers of the law, the scribes, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they're right. They're right. Either Jesus is the son of God, uh, worthy and having the authority to even forgive sins, or he has committed blasphemy, and according to the law of Moses, worthy of death. Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? And we might wonder about that. Well, it's pretty hard to forgive sins, too. But I think what Jesus is saying, and I'm sure you know this, is that uh, which is the easier to prove, whether you've done it or not? Uh, anybody could say, I forgive your sins, but to say, get up and walk, that's a pretty clear picture of either you did it or you didn't. And so Jesus tells the man in verse 10, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. I imagine that was quite the scene. I would figure that at first there was quiet and amazement, and that may have stayed. But I think ultimately, uh, can you imagine that those five men getting together outside? The men who lowered him on the roof, and now this man who uh, was able to walk out of there. 
amazing. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Boy, isn't that the truth? You know, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, as we call it, Matthew 5 through 7, that ends, as you know, with the statement uh, from Matthew saying, uh, all the people were amazed and said, no one has spoken to us with this kind of authority. Jesus was a man of action in his teaching, in the way he interacted with people and the stories he told, certainly in the, um, the condemnation and confrontation that he gave to the religious leaders. For example, in Mark 7, quoting from Isaiah, telling them all their teaching was lip service to God. They weren't giving their hearts to God. Those hearts were far away. And then this statement and this story in Mark chapter 9 is one that once again affirms the authority of Jesus in a very great and incredible way. Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. Remember Peter, James, and John, that inner circle of the inner circle. Uh, they go a little farther with Jesus in the garden. They go with Jesus when he heals the daughter of Jairus and raises her from the dead. And they go with him uh, on this moment as well. Um, they, he takes them. They are up on the high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah, how great is that? I mean, the great lawgiver, Moses, the, the great prophet, Elijah. And I, I'm sure uh, if I had been there, I would have said something crazy like Peter does, and and I, I would just be overwhelmed at, at the sight of these uh, two incredible uh, men of faith from uh, centuries before. And yet the one that I should be amazed at is has been right there all along. Verse 5 of Mark 9, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them with a voice, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. As great as Moses is, the giver of the law, as great as Elijah is, arguably the greatest of the prophets, the one who stood before them, the one who really was the one that they should listen to, that we should listen to, is Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Uh, Jesus was a man of action and had the authority uh, to act like no one ever has. But I want us also to remember today as we close out this series that Jesus was a man of authority. And in the midst of that, he was a man of compassion. He was a man of action and acted with authority, but he, a lot of times, those actions were out of an overwhelming uh, sense of compassion for others. And we keep reading here in Mark chapter 9. We skip down a little bit and start reading at verse 14. One of my favorite Bible stories. I, you knew I was going to say that, right? Mark 9, 14, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. 
As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. This poor father who was doing everything he could to bring healing to his son, and yet so far, nothing has worked. Verse 19, Jesus responds with a bit of uh, curt uh, judgment. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus appears frustrated, and of course, he keeps looking for these disciples to get it and to understand and to be able to, to tap into the power of God. And yet, it seems they just will not. Verse 20, so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And that sets Jesus off again uh, with a word of confrontation, this time for the father. Verse uh, 23, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And I think if we were there, if we were the boy's father, what would we say? We would, we would do something, apologize, whatever, to, to try to get Jesus to heal our boy. But this man uh, comes out with the exact right response. In fact, in his words, we find ourselves where this man places himself is exactly where we are so much of the time. Verse 23 again, if you can, said Jesus. Remember, he had said, if you can do anything, your disciples couldn't. Nobody else I've taken him to could. If you can do anything, please help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Again, I believe that's where we are so much of the time, and you've heard me say that. Right there, it's not that we don't believe in Jesus. It's not that we don't believe in God. It's just that living by faith is hard. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, because we haven't been transformed into that new body, that eternal nature, um, we live by faith, not by sight. And living by faith is hard. And this man was having an especially hard time. And he had been, he had been defeated over and over again. Who knows, likely getting his hopes up Time and again, hearing the stories even this time about what Jesus and his disciples were doing, taking his boy to the disciples and them unable to do anything. And now wondering, could Jesus, if you can help us, please, if you can do anything, please help us. And with that word of, of, uh, of uh, confrontation, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And, and the man says, look, I do, I do believe. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. My faith isn't perfect. My faith isn't complete like I want it to be, but, but I, I haven't given up. And that's where we are. And that's okay. And that's what this man acknowledges. And so Jesus, when he sees the crowd, verse 24, he rebukes the impure 
spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. What a, what a great blessing out of a heart of compassion. Jesus could have said to the man, I'm sorry, you'd, your faith isn't strong enough. Come back when your faith is stronger. But he didn't do that. Why? Because Jesus was a man of action, but he acted with compassion. And he acts with this man. Help, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus does. He does. He doesn't wait for this father to have perfect faith to heal his son. But he heals his son right then and there. And what a great act of compassion that was. Um, Jesus was a man of action. He was a man of authority. He acted with authority. He was a man of action. He acted uh, with compassion. But ultimately, as we know, Jesus was a man of action who acted with deep sacrifice. And we see that, of course, especially in the way he gave his life. And throughout the Gospel of Mark, we hear him saying time and again, this is going to happen. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be convicted and I'm going to be put to death, but I will rise again. One of the places where we read about that is in Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 27. Mark 8, verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi, what Matthew records in chapter 16. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? <clears throat> they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. In Matthew 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah, the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. His time had not come. John speaks of the hour Luke, throughout Luke, has Jesus always steadfastly going towards Jerusalem. And here, Mark uh, records that um, Jesus is telling them, look, it's not time yet. Hold off. But what he tells, what he hears from Peter, he, he uh, affirms, yes, I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. But what does that mean? What does that mean? It means something far different than what they thought. And it means something far different sometimes than what we even think. Because we still have that model of leadership and greatness that the world has. That the greatest are the ones who command. Um, the greatest are the ones who cause others to suffer rather than suffer their, themselves. But that's not greatness in the eyes of God. Just after hearing this statement of confession, you are the Messiah, <clears throat> Verse 31 of Mark 8, Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And as we read this story, we want to say, no, 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 Peter, Peter, no, no, too late. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked. Peter, get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, 
but merely human concerns. And that's the way we are, isn't it? We want to save Jesus from suffering. And Jesus says, no, 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 this is what I'm, why I'm here for. And like Peter, we want to go to him and say, no, no, this will never happen to you. And Jesus rebukes us and he says, stop thinking like the world thinks. Stop thinking of greatness as being first. Stop thinking of being uh, the, the one in power, meaning that you always get your way. It's, it's exactly the opposite, Jesus says. It's the way of the cross. The Son of Man is going to be rejected, and he's going to be charged and convicted, and he's going to be killed, and on the third day, he will rise again. Jesus was a man of action. He was a man of action, uh, acting with authority. He was a man of act, action, acting with compassion, and he was ultimately a man of action, as all four Gospels record, by giving his life on the cross, a man of sacrifice. And yet we know as we begin to close this series out that it wasn't just Jesus who was called to sacrifice. This very passage in Mark chapter 8, seeing Peter acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, hearing Jesus tell us exactly what that means. It means going the way of the cross. And now Jesus makes it very clear that if we are going to be his followers, if we are going to be his disciples, we must do the same. Mark 8, beginning at verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross, Luke says daily in Luke 9, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. You see, Jesus wasn't the only one that was on the way of the cross. He calls us to join him there. He calls us to be people of action, to act with his authority, to be able to help people see we have we have the message of the gospel. It is to believe in Jesus. It is to give your life over to him. We are to act with compassion, just as Jesus acted with compassion, and to help those that we can help and to serve in every opportunity. And we are to be people of sacrifice. We are to act on the way of the cross, to be willing to give our lives for the sake of others, to live each day. Uh, to provide a way for others. Jesus says in Mark 10, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he does that in the context of telling us, not just James and John and the other apostles, but telling us, just as he does here in Mark 8, that the greatest will be the servants. The last are the ones who will be first. It's the ones who put the needs and preferences and desires of another above their own. That's the way of the cross. That's what Jesus did. He acted with authority. He acted with compassion. And he acted with sacrifice. And now he calls us to do the same. I'm looking forward to um, continuing these studies, but we'll take the week off next Sunday, Memorial Day weekend, 
And then we'll begin a new series the following Sunday on Sunday, June 6th. And that series is entitled Letters from the Disciple Whom Jesus Loved, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. What a great, great passages we find in those letters of John. And we'll start that up in two weeks on June the 6th. And our Tuesday, Thursday Facebook studies will start again, not this week, but next week on Tuesday, June the 1st. And that study is going to be taken from that great passage in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, talking about spiritual armor for spiritual victory, talking about the armor of God. I hope that you'll be able to join in on those studies. I look forward to sharing them with you. And in the meantime, let's praise our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, a man of action. And let's thank our great God for this disciple, this Mark, this man who grew in his faith and in his service and in his love for God, to be a man of action himself. And let's all be men and women of action, acting with the authority of Christ, acting with the compassion of the Savior acting with a willingness to sacrifice. May God bless you towards that end. I'll see you in two weeks.